Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. It's my pleasure to welcome you to the Clark Howard Show. Our mission is to serve and empower you so you make better financial decisions in your life. Today, I've got some great news for you if you're a renter and want to someday buy a home. Also, I got so many questions from listeners worried about having enough to retire one day. I've got some simple advice for you that I hope will ease your worries. So, we have roughly a third of Americans that are renters. The percent that are renters has gone up over the last many years, and Many of those renters want to remain renters. Others would like to own a home. And the problem is showing the credit history that will help you qualify for a mortgage. So it becomes kind of like a trap because you're renting, so there's no mortgage payment history there. And so how do you prove your ability to pay your bills as you should? Well, this is something that is being looked at more and more. I've talked about private services that allow you to turn your rent payment into a trackable, essentially, form of credit and how that is something that is now available in the marketplace. And now a big development is that Fannie Mae, one of the two government-owned big lending organizations, Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, or the two bigs, behind the curtain of most mortgages issued in the United States, now has a new lending guideline that allows renters to potentially qualify for a mortgage based on their history of how they have paid their rent. Now, it will be up to individual financial institutions whether or not they will adopt the guidelines that Fannie Mae has issued. And not all will, but many will, in fact, do so. Because mortgage originators, they're in the business of originating loans. That's how they make their money. So what happens is Fannie Mae has a procedure for lenders to use to verify that your mortgage payments, I'm sorry, your rent payments have been made on time over time. So if you're somebody who pays your rent haphazardly, you're late a lot, this isn't going to help you. On the other hand, if you show a great history of paying rent on time, then you're going to be able to potentially qualify for a loan that you would not have been able to qualify for otherwise. Now, what do they mean by being able to verify that you pay your rent on time. Well, if you use electronic bill pay, that's going to be the easiest way to document that rent has been paid on time. Or in a case where you allow ACH, where the 
rental agency, the apartment complex, automatically pulls your rental payment at the beginning of each month. And you can show month after month after month, year after year, that you've made your rent payments on time, you're going to be good. I talked last month about how FICO's uh, total domination of credit decisions in the United States is under assault from many different directions. And it's because it's a very straight-jacketed scoring model that's based principally on two factors. One is whether you pay every bill you've got that's a form of credit only, that you pay those on time every month. And second, of variable forms of credit, like credit cards, that you use very, very little amounts of your available credit. And so those two factors are two-thirds, approximately, what makes up a credit score that lenders use to extend credit. They're basically pretty much the ball game. So that's how credit scoring has worked for a long, long time. And now there are lots of attempts to use how you do everyday things. How do you pay your cell phone bill? How do you pay your utility bills? How do you pay your rent? All these things that show what kind of pattern you follow in your life and honoring bill commitments are more and more going to be a factor in whether or not credit is extended to you or not. Krista? This is from Robert in Oregon. I received a canceled order, a toilet, from a home improvement store. I called them right away and pointed it out. They acknowledged the mistake, and after a lot of time on hold, I was told that they can't send the delivery company to pick it up and that I have to deliver it to the local store. The store is an hour round-trip drive from my house. Am I required by law to return the toilet to the store? Robert, this is ridiculous on the part of the home improvement store chain. And you obviously were talking with customer no service. They messed up and they delivered something after you had canceled it. They acknowledged that. And to require you to load that thing in your vehicle and drive an hour back is crazy. They're probably looking at somebody messed up, it's going to cost them money, they don't want to spend the money, they want the problem to be yours, and I don't know who you spoke with, with your lot of time on hold, but it's almost certainly not the general manager of that location of the home improvement chain. So what I would do is I would call back to the store Find out who the general manager is. You can probably see it on the website. You call and you ask for him or her specifically. You want to talk with him or her directly. Hold them accountable for what happened. And I bet you, you will solve the problem. You know, people in customer no service, many times it's customer no service because they're not given the authority to solve a problem. And what should happen in a case like this, if it's too expensive for them to come back and get that toilet, They should say to you, you can donate it to whoever you want, 
and flush the problem down the toilet <laughs> I that knew way. It. I knew you were la- you were smiling, you were laughing. <laughs> I knew that I was gonna have to do it. I wasn't gonna do it. Oh man! But that smile and that chuckle on your face, I had to do it. So, Robert, <laughs> let me know if that solves the problem. Okay, from Steve in Texas. My question is with cell phone plans. If I want the best deal, they want me to give them access to my checking account. I've heard you say no to that, but given that the price is 20 bucks less per month, is that something I should just hold my nose and hope it works out? So, Steve, this is something I'm seeing more and more that companies are trying to avoid the ultra-high credit card fees, and they're offering deals only if you give access to your checking account. So in this case, you're going to save $240 a year versus the possibility that the cell phone carrier is going to do something wrong. I would say that the $240 savings, which is a certainty, is worth grabbing because the other is only a possibility. So I would take the money, save the money, and watch your bill closely. This is from Peter in Georgia. I am 30 years old, and I've been with an employee-owned grocery store chain since I was 15. I receive 8% of earned wages yearly from our ESOP, Employee Stock Options Purchase Plan, right? Yeah, Employee Stock Option Plan, yeah. And also contribute 15% of my pre-tax salary to a 401k plan. My company only matches $750 a year on 401k contributions. My total portfolio between the two is currently around $225,000, almost equal between the ESOP. Wait, 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 wait. 30 years old? Yeah. And you've already accumulated just a little short of a quarter million dollars? Do you know how fantastic that is, Peter? That is incredible because it means you're going to have extreme financial security down the road. Peter says, my question is, am I wasting my time with the 401k plan, which I have spread out into multiple moderate risk investments, or should I be solely focused on a Roth IRA? So you have an unusual situation in your case in that your employer has chosen a pretty crummy 401k plan provider that has a reputation for having pretty high costs on the 401k. Uh, What I'd like you to do, Peter, I don't want you to dump participating in the 401k necessarily. I want you to look at the costs that you're being charged on the funds inside the plan. And look specifically at 30 years old, you should be in straight out stock index funds, which will normally have the lowest cost in the plan. They probably have a target retirement fund series but I'm really worried about high costs on it. So at 30, you could put your money split between the total stock market index choice in the plan and the international index choice in the plan, and that would be a potentially great place for you to be. It is true that a Roth IRA you can do with one of my favorite low-cost companies and have costs lower than you have in this 401k. But at the very least, you need to put in enough to get the $750 a year that the company matches. Now, I am concerned with so much of your money being tied up in company stock. The reason is you're in an industry that is very volatile, and it's been really hard for regional supermarkets to continue to thrive 
with competition coming from every possible direction. You already get your paycheck from them. It's great being an owner, but you do need to do half or more, preferably more of what you're doing to save for your future away from the company stock rather than 50% or more of what you do in the company stock. And from Mary in Florida, I am very embarrassed to admit that I subscribed to a free trial for a legal service and just realized that I've been charged $39.95 a month for the past two years. Wow, $500 a year? I Looking back on my emails, I never heard another peep from them. No emails thanking me for my dedication. No emails offering more services. No emails with a bill. I have now canceled it, and they've agreed to reimburse me for four months. But can you advise, advise me on how to get all of my money back? <sighs> Mary, I'm really sorry to tell you the law is not in your favor. Uh, Typically, they only had to give you back the last couple of months for the money that you've been paying for this is $500 a year approximately. And this is a terrible circumstance that if they don't want to give you back more than that, so you've given them like $1,000 over the last two years, And I'm gathering you never once used the service. There's something that I want to make sure. You said you're embarrassed to admit that you subscribed. Are you sure that you ever subscribed to this? If you have absolutely no paperwork or anything in any email or anything like that showing that you did sign up for a trial, your appeal for more of a refund would be based on the fact that you never actually did subscribe to the service. And it would be up to them to show, yes, you did, here's when, this is how. Uh, And the important thing here is how key it is that you check your bills regularly. I'm not saying that, Mary, to pile on with you. I'm saying for others to realize how important it is to look at your monthly checking account statement and credit card statements because this kind of thing happens to all of us different ways where money's being debited out and we have no idea why or who they are or where. And so I'm really sorry that this money has vanished potentially from your life forever. So let's talk the opposite for a minute. How would you like to be a millionaire one day? I actually have great news for you on that front straight ahead. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. Years ago on Clark.com, we put up an item, who wants to be a millionaire? And it was extremely popular. And it was a formula where you, in a modestly paying job, could put money aside every pay period. And over the years, given enough time, you'd become a millionaire. And I think about Peter that we talked about, Peter's question just a few minutes ago, who works in a moderately paying job at a grocery store and at age 30 already has $225,000 saved. 
And so this is completely possible for you to build financial security. Fidelity Investments, the largest provider of retirement plans in the United States, puts out a report once a year on how people are doing in 401ks and IRAs. And they're generally not doing as well as Peter. The average balance in a 401k is just under $130,000. The average balance for people in those crummy 403b plans that are offered to teachers and uh, people at other nonprofits, $113,000. The average IRA balance is actually the highest of any form of a retirement account. The average balance is $135,000. So you have a mixture of people who are 20 years old in those and people that are, you know, let's say, 80 years old and everywhere in between. And obviously, more years in the workplace, the more those balances rise. But the thing that's fascinating is now two out of every 100 people with a retirement plan, 401k plan, two out of every 100 have more than a million dollars just in their 401k account. The reality is over time, if you regularly contribute to whatever the retirement account is, whether it's a Roth IRA Roth 401k, traditional 401k, that you have the ability, you didn't hear me say 403b plan, by the way, you have the ability in those plans just with little amounts contributed every pay period and time being your friend to end up financially secure, if not potentially eventually wealthy, even if the job you have does not pay a huge amount of money. Just the act of putting that money aside, investing it, like I, I just get so upset when I talk to somebody and I can't betray my upset with that individual when I'm talking with him or her who's putting their retirement money in a stable value fund. Stable value fund is another way of saying the equivalent of like a savings account. The reality is money that you're saving for your long-term future must be invested. You have to outrun inflation. You need to benefit from long-term economic growth. And money that goes into savings-like instruments is a parking space for shorter-term goals and needs, not for the long-term. But the younger you start, the better it is. The more of a percent of your pay you save, the more financial security you create. And if the whole investing thing is a bunch of mumbo-jumbo to you that's just a big fog, then follow the simplest, easiest choice, and that's going to the target retirement fund for the year closest to when you're going to retire, and the rest takes care of itself. Now, why am I so harshing on the 403B plans? In most cases, people with access to 403B plans are better served by just opening up their own Roth IRA and funding it. If you want to save more than $6,000 a year, you'll normally do better with a straight investment account with that money going into index funds. As an example, with Fidelity, you did this study, 
Fidelity offers the zero funds where you pay no commissions and no ongoing fees for a handful of index funds. Index funds simply are where you own little pieces of hundreds or thousands of companies all in one fund. And Fidelity just gives that away in the zero fund series. Compare that to the typical 403B plan that we sentence teachers, a lot of hospital workers, people at nonprofits into. They have massive commissions and huge ongoing expenses that often someone who's in a 403B ends up with less money over time than what they've contributed to the plan. Krista? Okay, Brooke in California says, I hear a lot of people claim that they're maxing out their 401k. This phrase seems to get tossed around a lot. What does it mean? Are they really maxing out the $19,500 contribution limit for the year? Are they matching their employer's contribution and therefore maxing out the match? Brooke, that is a great question, and that is absolutely a brilliant question because, yes, a lot of people take putting in enough money to grab the employer match is maxing out a 401k, which will usually be 6% of your pay into a 401k. And that's not enough to build long-term financial security. It's a great starting point because you'll pick up the employer matches 50 cents on the dollar, your six becomes nine. If they match dollar for dollar, your 6% becomes 12. And that's awesome. But going beyond that is the key to real financial security. The percent of people that contribute the max to a 401k, trying to remember if it's one and a half percent, it's a very, very tiny percent. And for a lot of people, that's not a practical consideration to be able to save that much of their pay into a 401k. But if you are in a position to do so, Great to get it done. Adam in Arizona says, I financed a used Tesla to rent on Turo. It was my attempt at a possible business venture, and I bought the car knowing I wouldn't be using it much. I've yet to get my first rental, and I'm considering moving out of state. Wow. I love the car, but it's a little too much between the payment and insurance just to keep it without any rental subsidy. I know private selling is the best way to get the most money out of the car, but how do I best sell the car privately? I'm considering Facebook Marketplace and or eBay. What are your thoughts to minimize my losses on this deal? So first of all, I'm really sorry, Adam, that uh, renting your Tesla on Turo is not working out. A lot of people have had great success uh, covering a lot of the cost of owning a Tesla, if not all of it, renting it out on Turo. And I don't know why that's not working for you where you live in Arizona. So Facebook, I would not use it to sell the Tesla. Using eBay Motors would be perfectly fine. Just be careful. There are a lot of scamsters that come that try to steal from you buying a vehicle on eBay Motors. Be careful who you deal with. But also right now, because Teslas are in enormous demand, and with some models, people are looking at eight or nine month waiting line to get a vehicle. And people are angry all over the place that Tesla is not meeting their delivery schedules at all and not giving people any information. It means that you're in a position potentially to get more for that used Tesla 
than it would normally get in the marketplace. And so I would get a price from Vroom, I'd get a price from Carvana, and I'd get a price from CarMax and see if either of them offer you enough money for your used Tesla that it would be worth it for you to sell it and not have to deal with selling it on your own. There are any of a number of other local dealers around the country that are following the Carvana model of buying a car from you, even if you don't buy one from them, just because dealers are so desperate for used vehicle inventory right now. And speaking of selling online, this is a warning to others from Rodney in Ohio. I listed a used and worn authentic 18-karat gold Rolex bracelet watch on Facebook Marketplace. I was contacted by a quote-unquote buyer via Instagram who offered my full asking price of $5,200 plus $200 extra for shipping to an address in Portland, Oregon. The buyer claimed the money was in escrow with Venmo and sent me a dummied up Venmo email saying that as soon as I responded with shipping tracking info, funds would be released to me. The buyer started pressuring me to ship immediately. It raised my suspicions. I did a search on the address where the item was to be shipped. It was identified as a shipping address that fraudsters use. By the way, while this was going on, I got a similar Instagram message from someone else using the same MO. I have broken off communications with both and un- and blocked them. Thank goodness I was suspicious and followed up. Rodney, thank you, because that's so timely with the question from Adam about possibly trying to sell on Facebook Marketplace or on eBay Motors. This is a huge problem right now with person-to-person selling is all the scamsters that are claiming that they're going to pay you some way outside of normal channels and they're able to con people either out of money or they're able to con people out of product. And these scams are happening both on the seller side and the buyer side. And from Janice in Texas, my auto repair shop said that I need to have an oil change every six months, even though I only had driven 2,000 miles. They said that the paper filter they use breaks down before 5,000 miles is up. I only drive my 2016 Honda CRV about 4,000 miles a year. For the last five years, I've had the oil changed only once a year. Am I wrong? Do I need it every six months at 2,000 miles? Janice, you are not wrong. This is something that uh, we did deep dive research on because uh, to accept any mechanic advice from me would be hopeless and senseless. But the research we did found that what you were doing is absolutely fine. And the belief of a lot of people in the automotive maintenance and repair business that you want to do an oil change every six months is not necessary Um, of the things you could do to a vehicle that would not be necessary it's one of the cheapest you could do and you changing the oil once a year is a-okay janice and i'm so glad you decided to listen to this episode today i hope you'll subscribe and review us wherever you listen and if you want more free advice we have our free call center Team Clark's Consumer Action Center. To find our hours and how to reach us, go to clark.com slash CAC.